Prepare for total domination. Domination. Dun 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 dun. Um, you ready for this? So this is part three of the three-part series that we have been doing all around the three M's of building wealth with your coaching business. And clearly, I'm excited. We kicked off with the bring it on uh, cheerleading spirit fingers situation because um, this is probably one of my most, ex- like I love having the dialogue about what we're about to talk about today in regards to the third M of building wealth with a coaching business. Add six figures of new revenue by working less than five client hours per week. You're ready to stop the constant hunt for new clients, and you want a lean launch approach to generating consistent sales month after month. You actually care about your clients, and you love to watch them win, but you don't know how to over-deliver without undercharging. You've got the fruit, baby, but you don't know how to squeeze the juice. That's why this episode today is brought to you by my Leverage Group Coaching Program which is also called leverage. If you want to scale your one-on-one coaching business without taking a pay cut by launching a high ticket group coaching program, I encourage you to join the waitlist for leverage by visiting jerishahawk.com backslash leverage. Once enrollment opens and you submit your application, you'll be invited to complete an in-depth assessment, helping you identify the specific gaps in your business today that are holding you back from sustainably adding six figures of new revenue to your business in the next 12 months. No more guessing what the problem is. The business assessment will tell you exactly where you need to focus. Do not waste another minute. You're literally leaving thousands of dollars on the table and you might be throwing your personal sanity out the window. (laughs) Join the waitlist for leverage today. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash leverage now business. Phase one is all about making money. Um, and that's from that zero to that $100,000 in revenue. Phase two is all about how to manage your money, manage your client experience, manage your um, customer delivery, managing your mindset, managing, we, t- we talked about managing there, and that's that $100,000 to $300,000 range. Today's episode is all about phase three, and this is really where we go from that 300K in revenue to that million dollar mark and beyond. And this is all about multiplying. And we're gonna be talking about how to multiply your client results, how to multiply your actual earning potential, how to multiply your revenue that's being collected by transitioning from launch-based revenue um, and like having these peak and valley seasons to more of a monthly recurring revenue, um, how to multiply your impact by being able to actually scale your client enrollment. Like we're gonna be breaking down what's required of you at this phase. And one thing that I've mentioned in every other episode before, and then I'm going to mention it here, mention again here, is that even it's again, focus on solving the problems that are reflective of the phase of business that you are in. Honor the season that you're in. And I can guarantee you from personal experience, from what we've noticed with working with hundreds of clients, the fastest way for you to graduate to the next phase is by focusing on solving the problems that are um, relative to the phase that you're currently in. Um, so even if you're not making $300,000 or more, you may not, you don't need to be implementing everything that I'm going to be sharing with you right now, but this gives you something to aspire to, to look up to. And hopefully this series is something that you can keep revisiting and continue to re-listen to. Um, because as you grow in your business, different priorities are going to become pertinent for you at different phases in your journey. So, um, today's episode is all about phase three. And a lot of what I've been learning from phase three is personal experience. You know, in 2020, this is when we crossed the million dollar mark in revenue during a freaking global pandemic, during like a, a heightened level of awareness and what was going on from a racial injustice perspective in the country in America. Like we had two major events, I think, and that that really caused us um, and caused our business to act actually grow. So when COVID happened and when the global pandemic kind of like rolled out around March or April of 2020, that's when our business had the first major influx in client enrollment. Our our revenue pretty much doubled and we were around that five to $600,000 mark in revenue. And I think this initially happened 
um, because, you know, our, our client enrollment multiplied um, mainly because there were so many business owners that were transitioning from um, a coaching or a done for you service in a one in a in person environment and they now wanted to go virtual or secondarily people who were on the fence um, kind of COVID, I think was kind of a wake up call for many of us. The pandemic was a wake up call. And I think it, it kind of uh, put a fire under a lot of people's butts because it was like, okay, it's now or never, you know, if I'm going to be committed to growing my business, like I need to quit playing around. I need to take action. So I think it really sparked um, a lot of the clients that we ended up working with either spark people into action um, or it was because people were making pivots and transitions in their business and going in, all in on a group coaching program was something that they wanted to infuse into their business model to continue to grow and scale. Um, the second thing that happened from a multiplying standpoint for us during this transitional period was when um, a lot of things were getting publicly presented around George Floyd and um, just the racial injustice that our country was experiencing. And I think it was a wake up call for just black and brown people where it's like the system. I've always known that the system wasn't designed for me to win, but I want to play a more active role in controlling um, my own earning potential, regardless of what the system does. Like I want to have more control over my earning potential, over my career trajectory as a coach, um, and as, a, as an income earner and as a breadwinner in my household. And I think it just both of those things was just like massive wake up calls to the demographic that we serve. And um, the reason why I'm kind of pulling this out is because in one year, we went from phase two to phase three. In 2020, we experienced 156% growth in revenue. Um, and I can't even, I don't even know the percentage of how much our profit grew. Like, I think our profit grew um, by four or 500%. It was something crazy. Like, somewhere between three and 500% is how much our profit grew from the previous year. And um, I say all that to say is that when you're going through these phases, this is why I say that if you focus on solving the problems that are reflective of the phase of business that you're in, you can experience like hyper and fast growth. Um, and I'm just I wanted to share that just a little bit with you, because that happened in one year where we went from doing 300K in revenue um, to being on a million dollar run rate. You know, we never we've never had six figure launches in our business, but we were having consistent six figure months. And it was just like you can elevate and, and grow from phase one to phase two, from phase three very quickly um, if you operate with radical focus and discipline and put your blinders on and focus on doing the work that you're probably avoiding. So I wanted to share that. But really what's required of you at this phase? So when you get to $300,000, just like we talked about when you got to $100,000, the first thing that we have to discuss is, okay, what got me here got me here, but I need to start thinking about what do, what needs to change now. And for most of our clients, again, it's another business model evolution. You know, when you're going from that, that phase one to phase two, you have to first decide what is the business model that you're going to create a leverage offer in. Are you going to go down the agency route and build a team? Are you going to go down and de you know de decrease your price point and, and serve a different audience with lower ticket digital courses? Or are you going to stay high ticket but go into a group coaching container and create leverage? So phase two is all about how does my business model need to adjust to create leverage in my client delivery experience? Um, and for us and for the clients that we serve, we help them repackage their one-on-one -on -one offers and transition that into a high ticket, high touch point group, co group coaching container where clients are paying three to $10,000 to work with them in a group environment. And now when you go from phase two to phase three, it's another business model evolution. Um, your delivery mechanism doesn't change. So for us, we don't, you know, we're still selling high ticket group coaching programs, but the biggest shift that happens at that, when you transition to that 300K mark is how do I go from launch based revenue to evergreen enrollment? Um, how do I start to stabilize my monthly recurring revenue? And we have something called the IRS. It's our internal governance system that we use um, that's really supported us at Team Hawk. And we and when you start shifting from phase two to phase three, um, you know, really stabilizing your revenue and increasing your monthly recurring revenue is where your focus needs to be. You know, the, and this is where I talked about in last episode, we have to start shifting our mindset away from just how can I make money and selling everything that I can sell just to make another dollar, you know, and operating out of that energy to 
every dollar isn't actually good money and I need to focus on how can I get the right dollars and the right clients in the door through proper lead qualification, through a really streamlined sales process so that my focus now shifts from how do I make more money to how do I increase my monthly recurring revenue. And that's probably one of the biggest shifts that you need to do inside of phase three to create this multiplication effect or this multiplier effect is my my energy and my focus needs to shift to monthly recurring revenue. And um, the thing that I want to point out here, because I know there's probably somebody listening to this right now who's in phase one or phase two, who's like, "Ooh, Jay said monthly recurring revenue. I need to focus on that. And I think that can be very detrimental for you to prioritize too early in your business because stabilizing your monthly recurring revenue is something that um, I think most often people try to do by creating some low ticket course or some digital product. And I think that that's a really um, premature way to create monthly recurring revenue. And this is why I say that. So the way in which we teach clients inside of, we have another program called Legacy. So once you graduate out of leverage, you have a very solid um, group coaching program. The curriculum is tight. Your client delivery is um, pristine. You can deliver consistent results. You have an onboarding process, all the things. We start shifting into how do I now multiply my impact, multiply my income. When you go, when you're at that $300,000 mark and you're shifting, you're trying to grow to a million dollars, we need to increase your monthly recurring revenue. And how we do that is not by decreasing your price points, but actually introducing another high ticket offer. So the first way that we do this is that you can get to, you know, I think three to half, 300,000 to half a million um, pretty stably just with one group coaching program that's priced three to $10,000, right? How we've been able to do it to get to that million dollar mark is we introduced a second group coaching program that was $10,000 to $30,000. And when you think about that, when clients are paying you $1,000 a month, $3,000 a month with 12 month commitments, you've now just automatically increased your monthly recurring revenue. And I just, I want you guys to run the numbers on that. Cause I think when people think about how do I stabilize and increase my monthly recurring revenue, most people think they have to do it with some $37 membership or some, I need to evergreen my digital course, Jay. Like I got to stabilize my monthly recurring revenue. And I'm just like, that is a way to do it. But just like I talked about in phase two, you have to decide which business model is going to be my area of focus. What, how do I want to tailor my messaging and my marketing? Like selling to somebody who has a, um, a low priced offer is very different than converting and what's required to convert a client at a, high, a higher ticket offer. So we're playing the high ticket game through and through to get us to this million dollar mark. And our goal is not to have thousands of leads, but our goal is to have quality leads who are paying premium so that we can, one, deliver premium results to them, um, but secondarily, like, so that we don't, we can work smarter and not harder because we do, we, again, the goal here is how do we maintain lean operations and high profit margins while we're on this path? So for us, you know, and this is what we teach our clients inside of Legacy is that when you're at that $300,000 mark trying to get to a million, at most, you should have two offers. There's one group coaching program that's at three to $10,000 price point. I'd say probably three to 12 months in length. Um, and that can be really, really stable income for you. And then you introduce a second offer that can either be an, um, another group coaching program or like a mastermind of sorts where it's ten dollars to $30,000 price point And it's a 12-month commitment. Um, cause when doing those two things alone completely elevates your monthly recurring revenue. So I think there's different ways to structure your business model. And one of the first things that we do with clients is build out what is your million dollar model. And I think that's important for you to recognize that when you step into phase three, your business model evolves, but your offer structure doesn't have to, like, you're not going to be jumping off ship here. It's really about, um, I think a lot of the time people think that I need to have an ascension model and my ascension model needs to start at an entry level price point then a mid level price point then a high level price point. And my invitation to all of you is that your entry level can still be and should be three to $10,000. Um, Cause again, we have an area of expertise. You already have an area where you've proven results and like we're not teaching babies how to crawl. You know, we're teaching runners how to sprint. And when you transition into phase three, you have to then figure out, okay, you have one offer that's working really, really well. Um, you're getting consistent results. You have healthy cash flow in the business. You know how to make money. You're managing client expectations. 
now the first thing that we do with clients when they enroll in legacy is what is my million dollar model and your million dollar model again still needs to operate with a level of simplicity because our primary objective like we've been talking about this entire time is how am i growing my business while maintaining high profit margins because i recognize that my end objective is not just to make more money to fund my lifestyle but my end objective is to make more profit so that I can pull profit from my business to invest in my in, in wealth building vehicles to build my wealth beyond my personal brand. And I'm, I keep communicating that over and over again because I think it's important and this is very important for you when you're at phase three is diagno- being able to properly diagnose what problem am I trying to solve? What problem am I trying to solve? And when we focus, and this is this becomes critical of you at this stage, because you now shift from being a CEO, you really shift from being a business owner to being a CEO. And you shift from, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm making decisions so I can make money, but I need to elevate my thought patterns. I need to elevate my, my critical thinking skills. I need to elevate how I make decisions in my business. I need to elevate how I diagnose what the problem actually is. And I think something and and when you move into phase three is that like instead of focusing, how can I have um, a hundred thousand dollar launch? My thought process needs to be, how do I have hundred thousand dollar months? Those are two different problems to be solved. Those usually have two different approaches. You know, if you're so focused on how do I have a hundred thousand dollar launch? Yeah, go sell a thousand courses at a, you know, go sell a hundred courses at a thousand dollars. But if you want to duplicate that again, you have to sell another 100 courses at $1,000 every single month for the next 12 months to make that happen versus how do I have $100,000 months, have a program that's 10, that's people, clients are paying you $1,000 a month and you have 100 clients enrolled. So you only have to get 100 yeses in the course of a year versus getting 1,200 yeses with some digital course. Guys, what I'm seeing, what I'm saying, when you, when you ask yourself better questions, you create different solutions to create those outcomes. But if we're not asking ourselves the right questions at this phase, it can be detrimental and extremely costly for you because you can end up running down a pathway out of, not I want to say out of focus, but with focus that's not actually aligned with the real objective that you're trying to accomplish. So this is why I keep re-communicating. These are the conditions in which we're trying to make decisions out of. We're trying to get to the million dollar revenue, not just because we want a million dollars, but because we want to have at least three hundred thousand dollars in profit at the end of the year. Minimum. This is after this is after owner's compensation and after, um, you know, dividends have been paid out where you have at least, you know, that's always my goal. Like and that's very, very minimal. Um, normally speaking, when we're dealing with clients um, who you know, even my own experience, when you've implemented our process, again, is lean operations, a lean team, really streamlined offer structure. Um, you could, e- you know, having a million dollars in a year, you can easily have $500,000 of profit after business expenses, after owner's compensation, after dividends. And you really think about that. Like, you know, we talked about this compound effect, even at that $300,000 mark, like having half a mil every year to invest into wealth building vehicles, bruh. that's a completely different ball game like it's a completely different ball game um you know the level of freedom that you can have the level of choice that you now have like it completely changes your life um so i think when we step into phase three let me recalibrate here um your decision making process needs to evolve and how you make decisions and how you diagnose what is the problem that i'm actually looking to solve needs to evolve And usually that first starts with, okay, I'm at phase three. I'm at that $300,000 mark. I'm trying to get to a million. How do, what is this, what's my million dollar model? What is the offer structure that I need to have? And at what price point do I need to maintain it so that I can operate under these constraints? And I think the other really guiding question that you need to have at this point is not, not how can I have a bigger launch? But how can I increase my monthly recurring revenue? And the second question you need to ask is not how much not how much revenue am I making, but what are my profit margins? And those two things completely changed my my life when I was at phase three. And that was just last year in 2020. Because um, the questions that I was asking myself is how do I increase my monthly recurring revenue and how do I um, do that with either maintaining or increasing my profit margins? I didn't really care about my revenue. 
because I'm like, even if I make $600,000, if I still hit my rev- my profit goal, let's say it's 300 grand, that is a win. You know, it's not just about how much more revenue that you make. It's about how can we have a, a multiply effect? And that multiply effect is, you know, by you streamlining your operations, by you having the right offer structure, by you having the right operational system on the back end to be able to maintain those profit margins as you continue to grow. Like those are the things that really allow you to create this compound effect. And when I talk about compounding your cash flow um, from that money management perspective, that's what I mean. Okay, so that's one of the first things that we have to talk about is what is my million dollar model? And in our world, the way that we teach it to coaches who are growing their businesses, scaling their businesses with high ticket programs um, is normally that their offer structure, this million dollar model is two offers. One is three to ten thousand dollars in revenue, three to ten thousand dollar price point. And there's some five figure offer that they introduce. But having the million dollar model and knowing those two offer structures is not enough because now we need to make sure, do I have all the operational pieces on the back end to actually support these two offers from a lead flow perspective, from a lead qualification perspective, from a conversion perspective, from a client delivery perspective, and from a re-enrollment perspective. So I think this is another thing that I see a lot of um, prospects and people out there on the interwebs doing is like, yeah, I got my offers. I know what I'm selling. Yeah, Jay, I have two offers. One's 4,000, one's 15,000. I'm good to go. I don't need any help. And then it's like, okay, just because you have the offers, are your offers selling? And even if your offers are selling, could your offers sell without you being the person that they talk to when they close? You know, can your offer still deliver consistent client results without you being the only one inside of the coaching program? And this is where we think that we have to multiply our impact inside of phase three, where you have to start really. This is why I say you, you stop being a business owner and you start being a CEO. I think so many people think they're a CEO before they really are. Like, I don't feel like I'm really turning into a CEO until now. And, you, you know, we're beyond the million dollar mark. We're right at that, you know, at that million dollar mark and beyond right now in revenue. And I feel like I'm just now becoming a CEO of my business because, it is a limited, it's a limited, it's a self-limiting mindset for you to think that you're the only person that can close clients into your coaching program. I don't care what anybody says. If you think you're the only person that can close clients into your coaching program, you are not being a CEO. You know, if you think you're the only person in your coaching program that can coach your clients through your curriculum to get them results, that is not a CEO mindset. Like if you think you are the only person that can conversate with your prospects through direct message or through email, if you think you're the only one that can do it and nobody else can do it, that is not a CEO mindset. And the reason why I say that is tell me what business exists in the regular world where you get to talk to the CEO before you make a buying decision. When you go buy a new iPhone, you don't get to talk to the CEO of AT&T when trying to make that buying decision. When you go to the four, you know, to the, the, the Tesla dealership to go buy your new Tesla, you don't get to talk to Elon Musk when you're trying to decide what color and what option and which model vehicle you should do. When you go to Amazon to buy your books or buy your robe, you don't get to talk to Jeff Bezos before making that buying decision. When you go to the restaurant and you're ordering your meal, you do not get to talk to the CEO of that restaurant when you're trying to decide which meal option you can get. Y'all quiet in the comments right now because I know I probably pulled somebody's wig completely off with the statement that I just made. But you have to, this is why I say at each phase, I think probably phase three, one of the biggest questions you have to ask yourself is, do I actually want to be a CEO? And some of you guys, the answer to that question is going to be no. And there is no shade, no harm, no foul in that. Everybody has to ask the question, do I actually want to grow? Like, do I want to build a company Do I want to be the CEO? Like everybody is not built for this. And quite honestly, everybody's lifestyle doesn't like doesn't align with what's required. Like I think so many people think about I want to make a million dollars, Jay. It's like, are you willing to make million dollar decisions, though, sis? Jay, I want to have a company that lives beyond me. But are you willing to be the CEO that creates the internal operating processes that makes the tough decisions that trains your team so that your company can live beyond you. Like let's and 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 I'm not saying this to be judgmental, but I'm saying this is that like phase three is where like shit gets real. Okay, okay. You thought shit was real in phase one. You thought stuff was real in phase two. No, 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 no. 
Phase three is where you realize that making money isn't hard. That you realize that making money is actually the easy part of business. Actually knowing how to manage your money and multiply your money is where things actually get hard. If you think phase one, making $100,000 or getting $300,000 is hard, when you step into phase three, you realize all the stuff I thought was hard is actually the easiest stuff in the world. Um, The stuff that's hard is making these decisions like, do I actually want to grow? How much do I want to grow by? Do I actually want to be a CEO? Because part of you stepping into committing, saying I do want to be a CEO, part of that responsibility is then you figuring out, you learning, you making the investments, you surrounding yourself with the right people of, am I willing to do what's in the fine print of being a CEO? The fine print of being a CEO, there's probably going to be a book I write one day if I ever write a book. Um, But the fine print of being a CEO is like some of the, it's all the unspoken stuff that nobody talks about, about what's required to run and grow a business. Like, are you willing to make these decisions? You know, are you constantly asking for permission from everybody around you? And you're not like you, are you taking ownership of the decisions that you make in your business? Or are you blaming everybody else? If, are you constantly enrolling in coaching programs and hiring consultants looking for a savior, thinking that they are Jesus, when, honey, if you're looking for a savior, you need to go to Christ versus inv- making investments of I'm enrolling in this coaching program, not for a codependency relationship, but because I'm like, I'm going to show up and do what's required for me to get the result of what I just invested in. Like, what is your mentality? What is your approach? Like, what is your perspective and perception of the situation that you're in right now? Who are you blaming? You know, phase three, if you want to multiply your income and multiply your impact, like it is radical ownership. It is radical self-integrity. It is radical because everything that doesn't work is 100% a, 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 a direct reflection of something that you didn't have in place. You know, I think phase three is when people start hiring team and then they want to blame all their people. Like my people aren't doing the process like it's supposed to be done. It is your responsibility to create the processes so that your team can succeed. Did you set them up to succeed? Did you give them, did you define clear expectations? Did you document that in a way that somebody else could follow it? Like I think phase three is so much about uh, uh, multiplying our impact shifts from how do I coach my clients to get the results? This is why phase two is so important. You need to have a leveraged offer where your curriculum is designed in a way to get your clients consistent results. That's why phase two is so important because when you move into phase three, your focus shifts from how do I help my clients get consistent results to how do I build the operational processes so that my team can get consistent results on my behalf. And that's a different focus that takes a different skill set. Like you might be really great at coaching clients, but that's not necessarily the same approach that you need to take to coaching your team. You know, you might be really great at designing curriculum to help your clients get one specific result, but now you're managing a team and it's like, you now have to create new curriculum, which in the form of processes, SOPs and procedures so that they can get the results that are intended of the organization. And this is why I think as a CEO, why this can be very difficult is that like you have to have a simple business model. You can have a complex one all you want. Do I think it's much harder and takes a lot longer and more capital and more strain to scale that? A thousand percent. Because think about how much effort and work went into just creating one program that got consistent results for clients for you to figure out the messaging and the marketing and the positioning around. Now, when you start to add in complexity, not only is that complexity in your front facing and your in your audience perspective and create potentially creating confusion just from your marketing and and your messaging. But think about your team now. Your team has to also understand what the heck you're doing to be able to effectively support the business operations. And this is why I think it's it's figuring out a way to do that with, you know, you have, this is why your million dollar model is so important and why simplicity in your offer structure is critical at this stage is that like in, you know, I think about my own journey, we were able to get to 300K to a million dollars by two with two offers we have services that sell and then we introduced leverage and leverage was the thing that closed that gap for us between that three hundred thousand and that million dollar mark um and we only had two offers two high ticket offers that got us to that million dollar mark and and part of the reason why we're also getting rid of services that sell is because it's over complicating our marketing and our sales process 
you know, and like we want to streamline things like and, and you have to think so much. And this is your responsibility as a CEO. And this is why I say do you, when you step into phase three, you have to ask yourself, do I actually want to be a CEO or am I OK running a business, you know, with revenue being where it's at? Do I actually want to grow my revenue like and this is why the question started to shift. It's not about how much revenue do I need to make. It's about how much profit do I want to make. And based off of what my profit goal is, then how do I design a company that supports being able to produce that level of profit? Because sometimes you don't need to get huge in order to still hit your profit goals. Like I said, you, you might not need to make a million dollars to hit your profit goals. Um, and part of phase three is helping our clients and helping you. You need to understand what is my actual financial objective? Like, what am I actually trying to get to? And then how do I use this company as a vehicle? How do I operationally design it so that it does uh, produce the financial objective that I'm looking to accomplish so that I can build my wealth beyond my personal brand? And that number is different for everybody. Those constraints are different for everybody. So those are a few things that I want to just communicate. So again, for you to act, you know, to succeed and or grow in phase three of multiply, when you're going from that 300K to that million dollar mark, um, so much of our focus is less on revenue and more on profit. And and as your revenue increases, how are we also making sure that profit is also increasing at a healthy rate in conjunction with it? Um, so there's a few things that have to be in place. Like we said earlier, you need to have everything from the previous two phases, a very clear offer, a very well-defined program promise, you know, excellent client results and curriculum that's unpacked and documented to support that your ability to manage your money, knowing where you need to spend money, where you don't need to spend money. Um, you know, actually having, knowing how to do, you know, you know, just basic bookkeeping, you need to know how to do. Um, a lot of the thing in phase three where we shift beyond basic bookkeeping is really shifting into cash flow projections and um, how accurately are you able to project income and actually hit the projection that you predicted. And that's another thing, you know, like, like what's your accuracy there? And this is something that, again, most coaches don't talk about this stuff, um, mainly because most business owners aren't at this level. But, you know, there's a smaller percentage or a smaller pool of clients or prospects that are actually at a level where this stuff is, you know, um, relative to the season that they're in. But I, I want to expose you guys to this because I think another thing with being able to multiply your your revenue and multiply your impact and multiply your income, um, managing money is so important and being able to use the data and the analytics to help you make better informed decisions um, is critical at this phase. So like knowing what is my financial objective, Having your personal financial objective then informs how you need to operate your business to produce the profit that you want to produce. Um, from there, it's like, okay, how do I, do, how does, what does that look like on a day to day, month to month thing? And part of that for us and something that we teach clients in legacy is doing cash flow projections. Because um, you, you should be able to have, and this is, this is what allows you to increase your monthly recurring revenue. And let me know if I'm going over your guys' heads here or this is like in alignment and you guys are just taking notes. Um, but I think this is important stuff to talk about because when you're building a business, it's not just about how do I get more leads in the door? How do I close more clients? Um, so much of your responsibility now is like, how do I decrease my failed payment rate? How do I increase my payment recovery rate? How do I do cash flow projections so that I can anticipate how much money is going to be coming in month two, month three, month four, month five? And how accurate are my projections? Like that's a different skill set. Being able to not only do cash flow projections, which is the first skill that you need to learn, but the second one is how accurate are my cash flow projections? Like if I expected that this was going to happen, to what level of accuracy is that real? And before people start saying, Jay, this is when you need to outsource and hire an outsource CFO, for some of you guys, yes, you will need that financial support in-house. But regardless, I think it is your responsibility as a CEO to understand these numbers to a level of depth so that you can have informed dialogue and understand how to make decisions based off. Like you need to understand how to read a profit and loss statement. You need to understand how to do cash flow projections um, and how to you know project in a way that you can actually anticipate accuracy. Um, that's something I'm even working on now. Like I can do projections really, really well. Uh, I always exceed my projections though. <laughs> like and most often I exceed my projections and it's not because I'm, 
I'm cutting things short. But I think the thing that I also recognize too is that when I get targeted focus, I normally will exceed the target. So I need to get better at projecting that that effort. And like when the team is moving in a boat that's fully aligned with the objective, we tend to move faster. Um, and that's you know something I'm you know you you have to work on. Um, so those are some things that need to be in place. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about money management in in, in there. Um, and then, like I said, this is the the point where you start shifting from being a business owner to being a CEO. Because when you really think about the role of the CEO, um, it's your responsibility to create the strategic vision for the company. It's your responsibility to have a vision for the company, you know, to communicate that, to define that in written language, to articulate that to your team. And a lot of what we talked about in phase one and phase two of like, this is what I do for my clients, being able to articulate my promise, being able to document my curriculum, those same skill sets apply. But now it's again, like I mentioned earlier, like the focus needs to go from um, from your clients to your team. How do I articulate to them what the vision of this company is? How do I articulate to them what the real mission of our organization is in a way that's tangible and um, you know executable? Like, how do I now create curriculum in the form of processes and procedures um, so that they can develop, you know, so that they can support the growth of the company? And some of the two biggest things that we have to start delegating um, or thinking about delegating at this phase is um, automating your sales and not because you put it on some freaking webinar and throw ads on it, but you having a sales process in place where you can train somebody else to lead and convert sales calls um, on your behalf. And this is why, you know, you can learn a lot from regular businesses, like normal, traditional businesses is I think a lot of the time people think, well, I'm going to just hire a social seller to handle my DM sales for me. And now I have delegated my sales. And a lot of the time that's not actually accurate. You know, you having a webinar is not automating your sales. If you still have to have a conversation with somebody, you cutting out sales calls and only doing DM sales is not you delegate is not you streamlining your sales because somebody still has to have the conversation with the prospect, regardless of that conversation is happening through direct message or regardless of that conversation is happening on a sales call. And I think the most important thing for you to recognize is that like to me, automating sales is delegating sales. And when I think about automation, automation can happen in the form of software. It can also mean, to me, automation just means that I am now no longer the one responsible for doing it, whether that's me delegating it by using software and technology or me delegating it by like having another human body responsible for that function. To me, that's automating it. And when I think about delegating it, you know, when you think about delegating your sales, like just think about if you were to go on maternity leave or if you just want to take a freaking vacation for four weeks, you know, this is, I think phase three is the point in the, in the phase where it's like, you really have to start to recognize where am I being the bottleneck that is preventing the business from growing. And if I were to leave the company for a month, what would break? And if yet means, well, then clients wouldn't be able to enroll. Again, we have to start asking ourselves better questions. Does that mean you start just only selling clients on sales pages without having any form of contact with them? If you're selling a premium priced offer, conversations need to be happening. Like there needs to be some sort of human interaction during that sales process. There are elements that we can infuse into our sales process to help qualify leads and to help streamline them and to help them be um, more prepped and primed and ready for that sales conversation. Um, But that doesn't mean you completely remove all human interaction. At least I don't believe that. You know, if we're selling all of our programs now are, are five figures, like I can't sell it on a sales page. I'm not even about to attempt to. Um, and we could. The thing, the thing is, again, goes back to what problem am I trying to solve? If I wanted to sell my fifteen thousand dollar program on a sales page with no, no human interaction, right? My conversion rate would probably be like one percent. Um, and if you look at the the industry statistics, if you look at most most programs that are priced above two thousand dollars that are sold purely based off of sales pages. Ask the people that you look up to, what is your conversion rate from sales page to conversion with no human interaction? What is your conversion rate? And I can guarantee you it's going to be less than 2%. Um, and this is where, again, it goes back to what is the objective that I'm trying to accomplish? And there's more than one way to accomplish the goal. 
Um, and, and, and again, I think it's just if you start hiring anybody on your team, like I mentioned earlier, it is also your responsibility to have the processes and the procedures in place to set those team members up to succeed. So even if you do hire somebody to take over sales, do you have a, a what's your, your, your cadence for communications and training that team member? What does that onboarding process for that team member look like? Onboarding them to your company and onboarding to, onboarding them to their roles and their responsibilities. Um, what is the, how do you offer feedback and coach them through being able to handle objections on sales calls? How do you make sure that they're not leading your sales calls from a pushy and manipulative perspective, but from more of a permission-based and consent perspective, like their actual sales style? You need to have training for them on how to sell using the style, using the tone, using the language, using the vocabulary that's in alignment with your company culture and in alignment with just how you want to be externally perceived. Like these are things that are your responsibility as a CEO. And I'm, I feel like I'm like harping on this right now because I, the thing that I see happen prematurely um, for a lot of people and for myself is that you hire people before you hire people without even considering that these are things that you're responsible for. Not saying that these things need to be perfect and all in place before you hire because that's never the case. Um, but hiring people without taking ownership of what your role is and what support needs to look like is that um, this is where I think a lot of us go wrong. And I know for me, this is something I struggled with because we grew so fast. It was like, bruh, I, I, I couldn't even, I feel like I didn't even have time to learn what I needed to know until like after it was already an issue, um, which is super normal when you have fast growth. Um, but I think too, in phase three, a lot of you being able to have to multiply your impact and multiply your income like I mentioned, is that so much of your coaching, instead of coaching clients, which you still will do, but you need to also create capacity to coach your team and to train your team and to really like communicate expectations and to coach them on the things that you are um, delegating to them. So that's a lot of what needs to happen in the multiplication phase. I feel like uh, I really hope this was supportive for you. Um, but so much of it is about how do I, in, instead of focusing on how, how can I make my next launch, you know, how do I have a six figure launch? It's starting to think about how can I have a monthly hundred thousand, six figures in monthly recurring revenue, um, and thinking about, okay, it's not just about me increasing my revenue, but how am I also increasing, increasing my profit, my profit margins, um, the amount of money that I have in profit at the end of the day. And then the other thing is like really asking yourself, do I like do I want to be a CEO? Like, do I want to do more than just have this business that's making money? But do I really want to step into the responsibilities that are required of me as a CEO? Um, am I willing to do the fine print of what's required to be a CEO? Like, am I willing to train team, hire team, um, you know, make the tough decisions and really simplify my business model? Am I willing to grow with no more than two offers? And when I say two offers, that means there's only two SKUs. There's only two products in Thrivecart that people can pay um, to purchase from you. Um, am I willing to make the decisions around the type of business model and the type of business that we're going to run? Are we high ticket or are we low ticket? You know, are we group coaching or are we done for you agency? Like, and being very decisive. Um, are you, and when I talk about fine print of being a CEO, is like, am I going to take ownership of the decisions that I make and don't make? You know, am I going to take um, operate out of self-integrity where I'm going to stay committed to doing what's required of me in this season and not just what's what's feels good in my comfort zone? Um, and like these are things that are they're hard, like they're hard AF. Like um, I'm, I'm not going to even try to sugarcoat this or butter this up for you, because a lot of what we talked about in the management phase around your mindset evolving, it, it's happening again here. Um, and so much of the mindset evolution is like being a good leader. And um, I know for me, a lot of the the triggering internal emotional reactions that I'm getting is around like, you know, I'm, I've always been afraid that if I'm going to be a good parent and this is me just being like, again, you're every time you grow to a new phase, it's it's some other childhood trauma that needs to get healed in order for you to graduate to the next level. <laughs> um, and I think so many of us, you know, I've never, I've managed really large scale projects in corporate America. I've hired and managed a group of interns, but that's very, very different than like managing people who, and, and training them on how to have ownership of their role and responsibility at a startup company. 
Um, and I think too, when you think about how your mindset is evolving, I think the mindset before is like, is this possible? Can I make this much money? Um, can I help clients get results? Like, do I know how to manage client expectations to I'm now employing people and like my company now is responsible for these individuals livelihoods. You know, the paychecks and the payroll is like has a very direct impact on somebody else's like legitimate livelihood. So if I don't show up and if I'm not doing what I what, what's required of me to make sure that that, you know, another fine print of being a CEO, like you're responsible for the strategic decision making, but you're also responsible for like the business existing. Like once you start employing people like if you can't be out here just like playing funny business like. You know, like you have to have consistency in your communication and clarity in your in your vision and where you're guiding, where you're where you're trying to instruct these people to go as your team members. And I think I, this is something I'm still actively working through, and this is why I'm like hire a therapist. Um, is that so much of your mindset evolution is you creating space for you to heal from childhood trauma that impacts your ability to show up and lead in your business? And I've you know. I've talked about this publicly on multiple episodes here. You know, my mom left when I was two years old. Um, she abandoned me and my brother. Like she left I, and I didn't meet her for the first time until about five years ago. You know, I was 23, 24 years old when I met my mom for the first time after she left when I was two. And I think um, that has definitely caused a lot of challenges for me in being able to hire and grow an effective team. Like, you know, I've always had, you know, these thoughts and beliefs about I'm not going to be a good parent, so I can't be a good leader in my company, which is not true. Um, I've had abandonment issues. Like, I've always had difficult time building intimate relationships with other people because of childhood trauma with my parents. And think about how that, you know, incorporates itself into your team dynamic. You know, I used to, like, it took me in phase two, I discovered this, is that I kept hiring people who... um resembled characteristic traits of my parents unreliable undependable not fully committed um one foot in the door one foot out the door every like so many people that i hired earlier on in my business were a direct reflection of the perspective and the relationship that i had with my parents and it's like and i think so many of us have maybe not that exact same pattern but we have patterns that are really attached to childhood trauma in regards to how it's showing up to how we lead and, and grow our team that we don't even see it and so much of phase three is your ability to have a heightened level of self-awareness to recognize okay how are these decisions that i'm making like how much of this is actually relevant to the situation at hand versus how much of this is actually something that needs to be healed that happened in the past and I'm just sharing this with you because your situation might be completely different than mine. But this is the fine print of being a CEO is doing this type of work. Like this is now part of work. Healing childhood traumas, disassociating and be, making sure that you're not projecting limiting beliefs and bad like, patterns from your past onto your current team member and how you're choosing to lead moving forward. Like this is part of the work in phase three. Like, I don't know anybody that's been able to cross the million dollar mark in revenue without actively now incorporating this into their work schedule of working through mindset blocks, working through limiting beliefs, working through healing childhood trauma, making sure that you're not projecting that shit onto your team members. Um, because the thing that you recognize in phase three of your business when you're growing from 300K to a million is that you are the most important person in your company. Clients will come and go, team members will come and go, but you are the first person in the door, the last person out of the door. You are the first employee of your company, you will be the last employee of your company. Your, your health and your well-being and your energetic capacity is the bloodline for your company because you are, you are the one steering the ship. You're the one setting the strategic direction. You're the one dictating the tempo and the pace at which you guys are moving, you guys are growing, and who is coming in the door, like you have the final say. And this is why I say radical ownership during phase three is a non-negotiable and operating out of like a ridiculous level of self-integrity is non-negotiable at this phase is because like, and I'm not saying that you're the most important person in the sense that like you can start treating people like trash, but your function is the most important function at this phase. So you're not the most important person 
But because you are the person that's serving in the function, you now are also the most important. Your role is the most important function if you want this business to grow because it is on you to make the decisions to guide the business to get to the next level. So you managing your energy and you managing your well-being so that you can make decisive decisions, clear decisions, rat- you know, um, rational and logical decisions is important or else you will not be able to grow. And you can't delegate that responsibility to your integrator. You cannot delegate that responsibility to your director of operations because that's what most of y'all be doing. When you don't want to take the responsibility, you try to delegate it to somebody else. But at the end of the day, you are the one that is responsible. You cannot delegate strategic direction of your company to somebody else on your team. You cannot delegate like you can't delegate these things to somebody else. And this goes back to the question of do I actually want to be the CEO? Because if the answer to that is no, you might need to hire a CEO who can step into your company, who can take ownership of these decisions and the responsibility and the fine print. But for most of us, I'm assuming here that you're taking on that ownership. Um, this is also part of what's required. And, and you, you can't delegate that. You can't throw that off to somebody else. It's not part of the process here. That's not available. So um, I think there's a lot of more conversation to be had about phase three. But I at least wanted to do an introduction to really some of the major pivots, the major um, focal points for this phase of like, how can I increase my monthly recurring revenue? Um, how can I multiply my impact and my income? How do I remodel and build my million dollar model through two offers at the maximum so that I can be operating lean and that I can be operating with high profit margins? Um, so that, and then also part of the reason why your business model needs to remain simple is that so you can create capacity to do all this other work that I just showed, I just shared with you about coaching your team, building your internal processes, creating training curriculums and space to coach your team on how to do the work you're now delegating to them. Um, so that's really what's required at this phase. So- you decided to listen to today's episode for a reason. Call it divine alignment or intentional selection. But either way, you're here because you want to sustainably add six figures of new revenue to your coaching business but maybe you haven't figured out how exactly to do that. You are ready to structure your business model so that you can sustainably add six figures of new revenue by working less than five client hours per week. You're ready to stop the constant hunt for new clients and you want a lean launch approach to generating consistent sales month after month. You actually care about your clients and you love to watch them win, but you don't know how to over deliver without undercharging. You've got the fruit, baby, but you don't know how to squeeze the juice. That's why this episode today is brought to you by my Leverage Group Coaching Program, which is also called Leverage. If you want to scale your one-on-one coaching business without taking a pay cut by launching a high-ticket group coaching program, I encourage you to join the waitlist for Leverage by visiting jerishahawk.com backslash leverage. Once enrollment opens and you submit your application, you'll be invited to complete an in-depth assessment, helping you identify the specific gaps in your business today that are holding you back from sustainably adding six figures of new revenue to your business in the next 12 months. No more guessing what the problem is. The business assessment will tell you exactly where you need to focus. Do not waste another minute. You're literally leaving thousands of dollars on the table. And you might be throwing your personal sanity out the window. <laughs> Join the waitlist for leverage today. Visit jerishahawk.com backslash leverage now.